0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today.
1: Nothing shocking and new about it. You know, Joe, I think there was also one other added character. I believe it was the Secretary of Defense, James Schlesinger. I think he was sec-deaf at the time. But you are absolutely right. I mean, they don't acknowledge history today in the Republican Party. They don't acknowledge a lot of other things as well, but history especially. And the Secretary of Defense, along with uh, everyone else that you just mentioned, they had more or less an understanding, and they passed that understanding down to underlings, especially within the Pentagon gone within the defense department that if there was any rattling coming out of the oval office about the potential use of nuclear weapons president nixon at the time you know extremely unbalanced they were to report back up to the SecDef or back to the national security advisor before any action at all was taken
0: this is just that's c- not what the book says barnacle That's not what the book says, Mike Barnacle and Joe Scarborough of MSNBC. Two of the woke folk who actually think they've got a better understanding than the rest of us of what's going on. Settle down. How many times have you heard me say, I can't start an investigation, I can't stop an investigation, but have the investigation. I say an investigation into Mark Milley is absolutely positively necessary. Why? Because there is a question now because of this new book that is out called Peril by Bob Woodward and Rob Robert Costa about whether or not the chairman of the Joint Chiefs usurped the authority of the president of the United States who was elected and stated to China that he would provide warning if there was an attack. Never mind the more outlandish conversation of who in the bloody hell was talking about an attack. What is this? Where does this come from? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, love to hear from you, 833-468-8669. The people talking about this idea of attack, like Donald Trump was going to get us into a war. We had heard this a million times in our life, but everyone's talking about it now because of this book, like, oh, oh this this, this is what people were really worried about.
1: General, I'm just going to start with you because all of the stuff about maybe, you know, obviously having the nuclear codes, maybe launching a nuclear weapon, having access to declare, um, you know, some sort of military strike, all, I mean, the way it's depicted in this book, all to soothe this very broken, wounded ego because he, President Trump, could not process his loss. What do you think of General Mark Milley having to do basically this end run around the commander in chief?
0: First, if the general is doing an end run around the commander-in-chief, the general needs to go to jail or be executed. It's a coup or it's treason. I don't care how you look at it. You want to use another term? You're more than welcome to. I said jail or executed because it could fit into a whole swath of categories. There are no end runs that generals do on the president of the United States. Only in the world of the authoritarian leftist does that happen only in the world of people who believe that they know best and that the rule of law means nothing so let's go back and tell the story in this book they make a claim one of the claims is that nancy pelosi who should be investigated reached out to millie and others about ensuring because of the election that donald trump didn't do something crazy like use a nuclear weapon right did because of january 6th that he didn't do things to hurt the country that in and of itself that phone call i believe is a crime i believe is a violation of the oath and is an attack on the citizenry of the united states who elected a president of the united states just the concept did it happen is the book accurate it's bob woodward i never thought he was accurate before in all the conversations about Trump, I never said, Oh, that Bob Woodward, he's got a guy. I, I gotta admit, I am more anti-Carl Bernstein than I am Bob Woodward, but just the same. I didn't look to him for, for the levels of, of moral authority. So that was the, the Nancy Pelosi part. And then the part came out that Millie was speaking with Chinese counterparts saying we I would give you warning before there was an attack. Again. I don't know how to put that. I don't know how to describe that. What I can tell you is, if you had a general saying to the Chinese, we would give you warning before an attack, that is a general who must be jailed or executed. One or the other. If this conversation is too strong for people, I don't know what to tell you. I believe this is the most rational way to have the conversation, honestly, directly, and thusly. The question before us is, did Mark Milley take a phone call from Nancy Pelosi and start engaging with these tactics? And did Mark Milley decide that he was going to ensure that there, there wasn't going to be any type of, 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 of issue? Well, Mark Milley speaks to counterparts around the globe. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs may very well do this. And as is being described, for example, Jennifer Griffin over Fox News making the claim that, according to Pentagon officials, Milley did not try to insert himself in the chain of command regarding the launch of nuclear weapons, but he made sure everyone knew the roles, what their roles were and what their roles were. Weren't. Now we go back to that CNN interview, the ridiculously pathetic question from Alison Camerota, and this is General Mark Hurtling, retired, answering that question.
1: I'm not sure I would call it an Enron, Allison. I think uh, General Milley took some very prudent measures. Uh, You know, as a a former member of the Joint Staff, uh, the J-7, I remember when the chairman would pull all of his staff officers in, would pull all the the brigadier generals, the one-stars that were working the shift in the National Military Command Center, as as Jamie just said, and say, hey, we're in a tense situation. And this was during the start of the Afghan war. We're in a tense situation. Make sure your reporting is right. Make sure the
0: processes and procedures are run. In the right way now why would the chairman of the joint chiefs be doing even that but here is a general on CNN basically backing up what Jennifer Griffin who I believe is a trusted source is reporting on Fox News this was just a procedural maneuver what a weird thing to be a procedural maneuver within this larger context of was there a worry that Donald Trump was going to engage in some type of nuclear attack, which I never thought about until it came out yesterday. And I said, that's got to be the most ignorant thing I've ever heard. Let me say for the record, I want to put it out there for people because there are people who, you know, agree with me politically and disagree with me politically and listen to this show. The, The people were picking up all across the country. You guys know that we, we air here in Indianapolis, but on weekends we're on in, in, in Atlanta, uh, on, on WSB, we're, we're on in Tulsa and KRMG, where uh, News Talk St. Louis uh, we're on, we we share with, with uh, our friends in Indiana, wowo and, and MNC, we're growing greatly. So let me make sure I am clear about this. If you believe that Donald Trump upset about the election was going to start a nuclear war, you need a therapist. You need to stop driving. You shouldn't be allowed to drive a car. You have to wear a helmet everywhere you go. And you need intense therapy, daily, maybe hourly, to get you out of that crazy. That's how ridiculous of an idea this all is. Ridiculous madness nonsense. I don't believe it. No one has proven it. It is hot garbage. And the people pushing it out there are the ones dividing and destroying the country. To hell with them and their kids. That's how disgusted I am by this idea. If you say to me, did Donald Trump say to Mike Pence, I want you to, to send back the, the election results to the states, otherwise I can't be friends with you. I totally believe he said it. I would bet money on the fact that, that Donald Trump said it. There's a difference between the two things. If you ask me if Trump said to Mike Pence, the Vice President of the United States, you got to do this for me. I mean, I can't be your friend if you don't do this. 100% I believe it. 100% I believe it. Donald Trump looked into starting a war with China to take to prevent people prevent Biden from taking office? Never. Not doing it. Not believing it. So here you have Mark Milley engaged in conversations with counterparts, which absolutely should be investigated, and what got said during those conversations. Did he actually warn China and say, I would call you if if there was going to be an attack? Because if he did, jail or execution. But let's go back now to why Mark Milley was having these people engage in this review. This is reporting from Jonathan Swan over at Axios. The reporting from Swan states that it was the defense secretary, Mark Esper, who ordered a back-channel message to China in October. There was one message on October 30th, just days before the election. There was one message on January 8th. And the fear was, was that China was consuming bad intelligence about the possibility of a surprise U.S. strike by Donald Trump. The possibility remains that China, through its own misinformation channels, was creating misinformation, creating lies about the possibility of a U.S. attack, and that other Chinese intel agencies bought it as factual and started engaging it, thus creating the chatter, thus forcing the phone call. All of a sudden, this got really interesting. All of a sudden, you realize something that really nobody's getting into if that's the case. You mean China can fall prey to misinformation? Well, that's a good little bit of information to know. I'm sorry, you thought it was just them dumb Americans, those cowboys, them rubes, them hicks. See how I fall into the Hillary Clinton impression pot right there? Oh, they're the only ones that can fall for misinformation. No, no, the Chinese can too. Well, 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 well. Ain't that something? So Josh Rogan on Twitter, uh, Josh Rogan in Washington Post, he is confirming the Axios reporting. Miller was absolutely not going rogue. Miley, I'm sorry, not Miller, Miley, Mark Miley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, was absolutely positively not going rogue. Esper took this initiative on, took on this initiative in October. Esper asked his own policy folks to back channel the message. Millie's message followed Esper's. Meaning, if that is the case, that Mark Millie was following orders. You understand, I don't have a dog in the fight. I am not trying to find my way to Mark Millie being guilty of this. Mark Millie is guilty of plenty. Giving up Bagram Air Force Base, he's guilty of plenty. But what we need to do is ask ourselves what the bloody heck happened here based on this book. And if we take it from the reporting where we now have two pieces of independent reporting in in Jennifer Griffin from Fox News and this general, uh, General Omar Kirtling, H-E-R-T-L-I-N-G on CNN. Well, there was a conversation about making sure you know all the steps to take if X, if Y, if Z. And from this reporting from Axios, it could have been the Secretary of Defense hearing about this chatter, telling his generals, make sure everybody's calm, cool, and collected, shall we? That's a very different different piece of information and a different situation than what it is the book puts out. But let's go back to how we started with Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, who is a chump. A low-rent chump of a man with this attack. Attacking a general for telling China, you better not take advantage of us because the United States is strong.
1: Things get messy once in a while. But that's called democracy, something that you don't know anything
0: about. But China, let me assure you, America is just fine. We're not going to start wars, and we're not going to let you take advantage of us. Now, if you want to attack General Milly because he was sending a message to China that they better not try to
1: take advantage of the United States of America, you put yourself on that side of history. My God,
0: my God, some of you are already on the side of covering up an insurrection against the United States government. So, I- Joe, you're just ignorant there was no insurrection. There was no insurrection. There was no insurrection, you liar! So desperate to keep getting a paycheck from MSNBC. Or wait, wait—that maybe that's rude. People say that about me. I just talk. I just say what I say to get the paycheck, right? If I got Joe Scarborough's paycheck, I'd be a much happier man, by the way, just for the record. But I would still say the things that I believe based on the facts as I have just laid them out. To attack Republicans because you don't know they talk. generals talk to generals? Yes, they know that. The question here from this book was about whether or not he was acting independently, usurping the authority of the President of the United States, the duly elected, therefore usurping the authority of the American people. That's worthy of taking note. And if the conversations with China were personal or secret, then Mark Milley should indeed be fired. But regardless, there should be an investigation fully and completely into the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, to make sure that he did indeed act appropriately. Because if he said the words, regardless of anything else I've gone into— because as we, we get the reporting, we can kind of make sense of things. What we cannot make sense of is the following quote. General Lee, you and I have known each other for for now five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. It matters not the context. If that was said to our China, his Chinese counterpart, Mark Milley is guilty. And on that, all of us, Not just Republicans should be outraged. That's why the investigation must happen. If he said anything like those words, jail or execution. Joe Scarborough isn't bright enough to figure this one out. Don't worry. The rest of us know how to engage the totality of a conversation. I'm Tony Katz. I'm loving the number of updates on the Ocasio-Cortez dress story because she thinks she was some kind of hero. She came out looking really, really bad with the whole tax the rich dress at the Met Gala, $30,000 a ticket. Now there are ethics complaints against her because it's basically a bribe. But I think the best part of the story is that she always talks about, you know, how she's she's standing up for working class people, right? That's what she's doing, standing up for working class people. And you know, they asked her about the dress, and it's all about the working class, don't you know?
2: When Aurora and I were first kind of partnered. Um...
1: We really started having a conversation about what it means to be working-class women of color at the Met. And we said, you know, we can't just play along, but we need to break the fourth wall and challenge some of the institutions. And, and you know, while the Met is known for its, its spectacle, we
2: should have a conversation about it.
0: Yeah. So what it means to be a working-class woman of color. She's talking about Aurora James, who designed the dress. Did you know that Aurora James is dating benjamin bronfman who's benjamin bronfman i am so glad that you asked benjamin bronfman is one of the uh heirs to the seagram's fortune the working class woman of color designer for ocasio cortez's dress is worth a hundred million dollars according to reports if not more don't you get that it's a grift? They're playing with you. Akasi Cortez is lying her ass off to you, no matter what she paints on it. It's a grift. This is Tony Katz today. Ah, uh, I gotta do it now. I was just listening to it again to make sure that it was right. I was telling Ari to hold on. I got had to get to the punchline. Because Norm McDonald, dead at the age of 61, has just ruined me. I never met the man. I only laughed because of the man. Tony Katz. No, Tony Katz today. Guys, I'm just just wrecked. I laughed at Norm Macdonald more than any comic I can think of. The the dryness, the commitment to the joke, the the commitment to to just being, to having speed, the style in which it was delivered, the amount I have done bad Norm Macdonald impressions on this show. he had cancer for nine years and didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell anybody. I mean, that's incredible. I will admit to you, I would be the same way. I I I think that some things are indeed private. That's that's the way I am. I think when, you know, people post things and put things, they talk about their life, this, that, and the other, I I don't. Which is weird because, you know, doing doing this show, we do have this this connection. I'm just I'm very picky about what I uh, what I share in 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 a in a personal way because I think some of it I, I I don't want it to cloud any judgment of me. Oh well, yeah, I know Tony talked about this. Well, it's because of that. It, the, um, when I discuss things politically, it has to be able to stand because it's a good, valuable argument, not because I have some personal connection to it. And so I avoid the personal connections because I think it actually does damage. I, I've been like this way my whole life. There are reasons that I believe things that I do, and then I've got the data to back it up. I don't believe something because something happened to me if it's an irrational point of view. I think that's, that doesn't help. But there are things that I believe rationally, and I also have experiences with. Uh, that's, you know, I, I, I wholly hope I'm making sense there. I don't ever want because something happened to me or I've experienced something that somehow you, you would think, well, that's the only reason he believes that. No, an argument has to exist. and has to be able to hold regardless of what comes at it. That's the way I believe things. So I don't know if I had some kind of disease like cancer. If I would share that. Now, you say to me, Tony, you you, you share the fact that you battled depression, that you were suicidal in your 20s. Yeah, that's, that's true. But you notice that I won't talk about vaccination status. The difference between them is vaccination status is something that we now use as a political tool. Uh, I'm not vaccinated. Look at me. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm getting people killed, and people. Will, if I get sick, they'd be thrilled. They'd be overjoyed, right? You see people cheering if a radio host dies. They're overjoyed. It's gross. I am vaccinated. Oh, you're. You're a traitor. Oh, you bought into the lies. I am not interested in getting judged by either group of people. Thank you very much. And when I say being judged they may try to judge me and then they will be told to kiss you know certain parts of me and that's the end of that Don't worry about it but I'm not interested in I'm not interested in my health being utilized as some kind of of political tool The discussion of of depression and and and, and being suicidal is is that's not used against you that is I, people have a fear of discussing these things and I don't think that for their own lives they should have a fear of that. I I don't think so at all. I think that they should they should address these things and never be afraid to address those things. Those feelings that 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 horror show. By the way, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline 1-800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. Cancer, I don't I don't think I would. I think that'd be for me. Now, as the story goes, he didn't tell his family, and I'm not quite sure what that means. And I don't even know what kind of cancer he had. I don't know what that means. You know, I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't know his interpersonal relationship, so I'm not sure. But I get it. But Norm Macdonald made me cry. Just spectacular. So I was looking. I wanted to share with you a joke. I wanted to share with you a, a, a joke, and I. Earlier on my morning show, I shared the moth joke, which is one of the great ones of all time. Like, what else can I share? And some of them don't really work for radio. And some of them you got to know. The context, like the roast of Bob Saget on Comedy Central is an absolutely brilliant piece of comedy, but maybe without the rest of the roast of Bob Saget on Comedy Central, you don't know how good it is. So I came across the Professor of Logic joke, that was also done on uh, Conan O'Brien. I've got a listing of his, uh, uh, of, of the best jokes he had done on Weekend Update. But maybe I just gotta, I gotta go back to the well. Maybe I gotta go back to the well, and I gotta go back to the, the, the joke. The joke, which is the moth joke. This is Norm MacDonald, Appearing on Conan O'Brien's show before it was, this is not the TBS show, this is the NBC show. So this is before he got the Tonight Show. So I don't know how many years ago that was. And he proceeds to tell a story and to tell a joke. And I give it to you now, Norm MacDonald.
2: Not all your material comes uh,
0: from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, some you, you of
1: my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life.
2: Real life? Like, for instance, today
1: I was driving in a, a car. Mm-hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio.
2: <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so
1: I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way. So my driver, what do you mean? What, what, how do you get material
2: that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> The driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke? Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show? Yeah,
1: that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs>
2: okay. Why don't we just have him on next time?
1: Oh, uh, that, no, that guy. No, that guy. wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guys, he goes, uh, uh-huh. he, uh, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. A uh, moth, <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office.
2: A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. You are correct. A
1: moth goes into a podiatrist's office Mm -hmm. And uh, the podiatrist's office says What's the problem? And the moth says What's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes I go to work for uh, Gregory Alinovich And uh, all day long I work (laughs) Honestly, doc I don't even know what I'm doing anymore I don't even know if Gregory Alinovich knows He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I I walk here and there. The podiatrist says, oh yeah? The moth goes, yes. And he goes, "Uh, at night I, I sometimes wake up and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm, a lady that I once loved, Doc i don't know where to turn to my youngest alexandria (laughs) she fell in the the cold of last year Mm -hmm. the cold took her down as it did many of us (laughs) and my other boy (laughs) and this is the hardest pill to swallow doc my other boy gregaro (laughs) Vinogradovitch, I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps. Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish
2: facade once. How it's long gone, a drive was this? Do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc.
1: Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth. Just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And so the moth, the the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, Because the light was on.
0: And that's why he was Norm Macdonald and you're not. That joke is brilliant. That joke is exemplary. That joke is so difficult to craft, never mind perform. Do you have any clue how hard it is to do that on national television? That's impossible. Possible to hold an entire audience in your hand. Just unbelievable. Now, the the clip that I was going to play was um, Norm MacDonald and Courtney Thorne Smith on with Conan talking about a movie she was doing called Chairman of the Board with Carrot Top. Because I thought that was... I always thought that was some of his absolute best work, just brutal in 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 how he kind of laid out Carrot Top, and the fact that he didn't really know who Courtney Thorne-Smith was. Courtney Th- Thorne-Smith was Melrose Place back in the day. That's before your time, producer Ari. You don't know anything about that. No. No, I didn't think so. Should, I, I'll play some just, just for my own benefit. Sure. Conan O'Brien, Courtney Thorne-Smith, Norm MacDonald talking about this movie she's got coming out with Carrot Top. Do you know who Carrot Top is? Yeah, with the props. With the props. Redhead, a super buff, I don't know, a lot of steroids. Uh, Look, he does not care. He has made millions of dollars as a prop comic. He doesn't care about anybody. He's, He's got his money. These other people are just super, super jealous. But this was... Just spectacular, spectacular work from Norm Macdonald.
2: Ever man <laughs> you for it. <laughs>
1: I swear to God, and when I lived in L.A., I lived in, on in the actual street called Melrose Place. There's an actual street. There's a Melrose? Is there really a Melrose there's Place? There's really a Melrose, a Melrose Place. place. Okay. You okay. know this, right? Yes, it's true. So they opened a restaurant called Melrose Place on it, uh-huh. and then it's right beside my house, and every time I go out, there's all these <laughs> like <laughs> tourists. And then these tourists like they're always fat, and they're taking pictures <laughs> standing in front of this restaurant. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for the help, pal. <laughs> uh, he'll get over it, you'll see. Um, what what uh, now I gotta ask you about this because we you shut
0: up.
2: That makes it all right. <laughs> Well, I wanna to talk to you about something because this came up earlier in the show accidentally because I didn't know what Norm was gonna talk about tonight and it's best sometimes if I don't know. But he mentioned Carrot Top. You are making a movie with Carrot Top, right?
0: I made a movie with Carrot Top.
2: Okay. <laughs> You've made a movie with Carrot Top, it's, it's not out yet. No, it's can not Can you put the yet. picture up of Carrot Top again just so we can all see him? She just did. It. Oh, there it is, again, yeah. All right, okay. Wait a minute, she left Melrose Place to do a movie with Carrot Top? <laughs> That's where I'm going, my friend. This begs the question. Now, now, uh, why a movie with Carrot Top? Why a movie with Carrot Top? I mean, no, I don't know much about Carrot Top, you know? I, I, I don't know much about him. I'm a little jealous, because he's a red-haired comedian, and I felt like maybe you'd do a movie with me first, then move on to Carrot Top, then to Ralph Mao from Happy Days. <laughs> you know, sort of the three, there's an order in which you do movies with the redheads. What, uh, what's he like, first of all? He's extraordinarily sweet. Nice guy. He really is, and mm-hmm. he worked very hard, and he was adorable. And he worked with a lot of props and stuff too, right? Not in the movie. Oh, in the movie they took his props away. <laughs> yeah, they took his props away. That's a bad time to suddenly take away everything you know about comedy. You know, you've been using props now all your life for comedy. Now we're going to take them away when you make your first movie. Was he okay though with it? He was cool. He was great. He did a wonderful job. Do you have a scene where you and, and you, you and him embrace? Yeah, lots of making out. Oh, for God's sake. Nothing but making out. All right. It's like nine and a half weeks, but carrot top. <laughs>
1: we were doing... Wow!
2: i got to check out
1: that movie. Is it called Nine and a Half Seconds? <laughs> <laughs> like he's premature ejaculator. <laughs> we got-
2: This is what happened. You know what happened? He said, nine and a half seconds, and I'm looking at him because I know there's more. (laughs) And I wait and wait, and I see the glimmer in the eye, and then bang! I thought you were going to but no. (laughs) But uh, what's the movie going to be called? I know what it's going to be called. Yeah, what's that? (laughs) If it's
1: got Carrot Top in it, you know what a good name for it would be? What's that, Norm? Box Office Poison. (laughs)
2: sitting to your left <laughs> is in the movie. I'm going to go see it for 20 minutes. <laughs> How you scare everybody else away?
1: No, I love this plan? girl. I would see any movie with this girl <laughs> yes, in She's you. a beautiful lady and, and a talented, nice talk show
2: guest. Okay. As evidenced by her appearance on our rival show. <laughs> All right. Well, there's this two-hour season finale of Melrose Place. There's this movie coming out. Yes. Title undetermined at this point. Chairman of the board. Oh, all right. Do something with that, you freak. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I bet got the board is spelled B-O-R-E-D.
0: Norm MacDonald, dead at the age of 61. What a damn shame. I'm Tony Katz.